Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we power through the Wednesday edition of the program. Um, I got a lot to dive into right off the top. want to thank you guys, as always, for supporting Outkick as we uh, roll into February. Now the Super Bowl is over. I hope all of you had good uh, Valentine's Days. And let's jump right to it. Yesterday, right as we finished Outkick the show, Derek Carr was released by the Vegas Raiders. Uh, Carr is now effectively a free agent able to figure out where he wants to spend the remainder of his career. I think Derek Carr is around the 12th or 13th best quarterback in the NFL right now. I'll run through my list on one of these days where there's not a lot going on. I'll give you my power rankings for current NFL quarterbacks. Uh, If we had, for instance, a free agent draft of NFL quarterbacks, what the order is that I think they would be drafted. Spoiler alert, Patrick Mahomes is my number one. But where would it make sense for Derek Carr to go? Top of the list, I would think, Jets and Saints. Two teams with solid talent core surrounding the quarterback position that haven't been able to figure out exactly what they're trying to do there uh, and would theoretically have some cap availability. To me, really what you're dealing with is a continuation of the three categories of NFL franchises. There's NFL teams that know they have a quarterback who could win them a Super Bowl. I think there's probably about 10 to 12 of those teams. That means everything goes well. You have a quarterback that is in that upper third, in that upper echelon of signal callers. I think there's about 10 to 12 that think, hey, this guy, given the right circumstances, could win. Okay? Uh, Then you add in that cadre of about 10 teams that are, yeah, we really don't know. Right? We're kind of in this middle ground. We got a young quarterback. He could be the answer. He might not be the answer. We're just unclear. And then there's about 10 or 12 that are at the very bottom. No, they don't have the guy and are in pursuit. Um, And so that's the three cadres, I would say, the three quartiles of the NFL right now. To me, if you're Derek Carr, you're looking around the league. You are thinking, I am who do you think you are? You think who <laughs> reminds me of the guy who did the bowling? Who am I? I'm the man. Uh, uh, I am me, or whatever that guy was who hit the the, the strikes. I remember, it went viral for his uh, for his commentary there. To me, I think you have to look at uh, the Detroit Lions and say Matthew Stafford was there for years. He sometimes managed to get rarely the Lions into playoff position. But the organization itself was so broken that it didn't really matter what he did. They couldn't win a Super Bowl there. So if I am Derek Carr right now, I'm looking at Matthew Stafford and saying, 
I want to have a Matthew Stafford-like situation. I want a really talented team that is a quarterback away that I go join, we hit full speed, and we immediately advance. And to me, that is what Matthew Stafford did with the Rams. Uh, I don't think it's true. Look, I don't think Jared Goff's bad. I don't think Jared Goff is is an awful quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But I think what happened was uh, when you looked at the Rams, uh, they made the decision that they were a quarterback away from being a championship team. And they did whatever it took to get Matthew Stafford in. And as a result, boom, they take off. Sean McVay said, this is the move we have to make. They go win a Super Bowl almost immediately. Wasn't that Jared Goff was bad. He got them to the Super Bowl, but they couldn't take the proverbial next step with Jared Goff at quarterback. They go get Matthew Stafford, boom, Super Bowl happens. I'm, if I'm Derek Carr, I want to be the next Matthew Stafford. Who is that team that is talented around me and as soon as I join, boom, we can go to the next level and have that championship level success? That is, to me, what I am looking for going forward. Uh, and similarly, it's a little bit different because Aaron Rodgers has already won a championship. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I've already won a Super Bowl. I'm 39 years old. The only thing that I am interested in at this point, Aaron Rodgers, not married, no kids, has should have hundreds of millions of dollars, has more money than he could ever spend. I understand wanting to be compensated for your talent, and I'm sure he will be. But to me, when I'm sitting in that dark room, uh, self-analyzing and contemplating what I want going forward, the only thing he doesn't have is a second Super Bowl ring. He's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's already a multi-hundred millionaire. He's already an icon who is willing to speak out and say exactly what he thinks about any issue. The only thing that he's missing is a second Super Bowl ring. So if I, and by the way, I can't think of anything worse than sitting in darkness, uh, which is what he's doing. If you don't know, you can go read about it at OutKick. He's doing a darkness retreat. And so I can't think of anything worse than sitting in that darkness, staring uh, into nothingness, and contemplating what I want to do with the rest of my life. First of all, one of the answers would be sleep a lot. Another one would be get over this cold that I brought back from the Super Bowl. Uh, But in the long term, If I'm Aaron Rodgers, what I want is a couple of more years of playing and I want to win a Super Bowl. And the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr is Carr can go join a team without requiring that they give away substantial assets in order for him to join. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, the last thing I want to do is go go join a team and force them to trade away things in the real time that make that team less likely to win a Super Bowl. So I think what you're analyzing is, can they trade away some of these draft picks potentially after I'm no longer interested in playing? And in the short term, do we have the chance to win a Super Bowl? To me, the team that is best out there, there are a couple, the Raiders, still really talented. I think they could make a lot of sense for Aaron Rodgers. The 49ers, They have to figure out what they're doing at the quarterback position with Jimmy G and with Trey Lance and with Brock Purdy. But I love Kyle Shanahan and what he's able to do. To me, the Raiders and the 49ers make the most sense. Now, I understand there's lots of talk out there about the Jets. 
I understand there's lots of talk out there about the Saints. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, the team that I want to be on is the San Francisco 49ers. Because I think if you put Aaron Rodgers on the San Francisco 49ers, they immediately become the Super Bowl favorite by a substantial margin. The rest of that roster is stacked. Uh, That is the team, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, that I'm trying to angle for after I sit in that darkness for a long time. Also, Aaron Rodgers from Northern California. Uh, I love the Titans. I think the Titans may be trying to move on from Ryan Tannehill. I'm not sure that the Titans have a talented enough roster. I'd love to have Aaron Rodgers here. I'm not sure that the Titans right now have a talented enough roster to be able to contend for a championship in the AFC. In the NFC, I think the 49ers' best possible location for Aaron Rodgers. I want to talk about this because all of a sudden it's becoming accepted. Remember a while back when I came on and I was like, man, it seems like there are a lot of young people dying of heart attacks at rates we haven't seen before. Well, now the data is starting to come out, and it turns out that people between the ages of 25 and 44 are dying of heart attacks at a 30% higher rate than what historically the average is. Uh, and for a long time, and I tie this in with DeMar Hamlin, for a long time you couldn't mention young, healthy people having heart attacks at all. Was it permitted? You were told, oh, that's anecdotal. Oh, that's made up. Oh, there isn't any statistical data to reflect that it's true. Now we know that heart attack deaths are up 30% in people aged 25 to 44. That's people who, generally speaking, do not have major heart-related issues. I'm barely in that group. Come uh, April, I'll be on the top edge. I'll be 44 years old. So what's going on here? DeMar Hamlin said he doesn't want, in his interview with Michael Strahan, said he didn't want to talk about what the cause of his heart attack was on the football field, according to his doctors. Bit surprising, because what I said in the wake of the DeMar Hamlin incident was it was incredibly important for us to know what caused it so we could try to protect others from it ever happening to them, right? That's what I almost immediately said. And I said, we have to be open to the possibility that this could be connected to the overall increase of 25 to 44-year-old heart attack deaths by 30%. What's causing this? To me, again, based on the scientific method, when I hear that there has been a 30% increase in heart attack deaths, one of the first things I think is, okay, well, what might have changed? COVID, certainly, but also the COVID shot. So trying to figure out the difference between those two would require, and this is the study that I would love to see, what are the rates of heart attack death for people aged 25 to 44 who never have gotten the COVID shot but have had COVID? I would be happy to be tested. If people want to come and they want to take my uh, physical attributes, they ain't great. Uh, but I would be happy to be in that control group as I barely fit right now. I've never had the COVID shot. I've had COVID twice. Am I at a higher rate of likelihood for heart attack-related issues because of multiple COVID issues, uh, COVID infections? I'd be happy to be studied. Conversely, I would like to see the 25 to 44-year-olds who have been COVID shot it 
and I would like to see a control group based on the number of COVID shots they have gotten. Why can we not get this done, right? I mean, this doesn't seem complicated because what that would tell you is, to a large extent, is it COVID that is causing these heart attack deaths to skyrocket? That is, people like me who have recovered from COVID and are in that 25 to 44-year-old age bracket, never gotten the COVID shot, are we dying at a 30% rate of heart attack? Or is this primarily occurring in people who got the COVID shot? Why would we not have this data? All right? And it's important to note that anyone arguing against this is actually the anti-science people. Because what I am suggesting is we should have more data, more analysis to determine whether or not we continue to get people COVID shots, particularly young and healthy people. My guess, my hypothesis, I believe that the 30% increase in, co- in heart attack deaths in people aged 25 to 44 is connected to the COVID shot. That's what the data would reflect to me. Because we know that there is an increased risk of myocarditis after the COVID shot in young, healthy people. Uh, I believe that the data would reflect that the more COVID shots and boosters you have gotten, the more in danger you are in the age of 25 to 44 of COVID shot-related heart attacks. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my hypothesis is wrong. Again, I don't know of any other cause you could point to. I guess you could say delayed medical treatment. I guess you could say during the last several years, people went to the gym less and the heart health was worse. I don't think that adds up to a 30% increase overall in in heart deaths for people aged 25 to 44. This is the same rate, by the way, murder increase. Everybody was willing to talk about the murder increase and the data and people debated what might have caused it. Almost no one is still willing to talk about the rate of heart attack deaths and what is causing it. Again, I think it could be connected to DeMar Hamlin. He won't say what he was told about why he had his heart-related condition. I find that a bit strange because I'd like to prevent it from happening elsewhere. But this, to me, seems like very hyper-rational, very hyper-reasonable, very uh, important study that we should undergo. We know that people 25 to 44 are dying of heart attacks at a 30% higher rate. Why don't we have a control group to figure out whether this is likely caused by the COVID shot or if it's a lingering effect of COVID infection that has weakened the hearts? Maybe it's both. Seems like an easy thing to answer, okay? I don't know why we're not. Uh, Alex Morgan, I saw this story And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that this is real. Alex Morgan, who plays for the U.S. women's team and seemed to be relatively normal, she now has appears to have undertaken and gotten the woke virus. She's even more woke than Megan Rapinoe. Alex Morgan is now saying that uh, everyone should have the ability to play sports. The fact that it's being taken into politics is really sad. I think at the cost of trans kids' lives. Uh, And so she wants to stop 
looking at these games in Florida and Texas respectively, we're going to need to continue to step it up and have internal discussions as well with the team. We're not ones to shy away from a hard conversation. Playing in Florida and Texas, that's something the team definitely needs to look at. I think talking about it is good. Uh, She is upset because the She Believes Cup is held in Texas and Florida, two states against trans athletes competing against girls. Does she not understand what's at stake here? I mean, I would love to be talking to Alex Morgan. We have dudes who are deciding to identify as girls and going and winning girls' championships and taking away girls' abilities to compete. We just toss it out there. If 12 or 15 really athletic dudes decided to identify as women and if they were allowed to compete compete as members of the U.S. women's soccer team, they would eliminate all of the biological women on the U.S. women's soccer team. Let me repeat that. Remember, the U.S. women went to Dallas and lost 5-2 to two to a group of boys under 15-year-old in Dallas. They got beaten pretty soundly by a bunch of 15 and under boys in one American city. If 12 to 15 talented men's soccer players, the Leah Thomas effect, decided they wanted to identify as women and change their gender, the entire U.S. women's soccer team would lose their jobs because the men identifying as women would be way better. Male soccer players are infinitely better than women's soccer players. If our U.S. men's soccer team played against our U.S. women's soccer team, the men could win 50 to nothing if they wanted to. I'm not exaggerating. I think if they wanted to win 50 to nothing, they could probably win 50 to nothing. They are infinitely better than the women. So I understand the idea of, oh, I'm a woke sports star and I have to stand for something. Does Alex Morgan actually understand what she's standing for? She's standing for the eradication of women and women's sports. She is actually advocating for women's athletes to end the competition in their sport itself. And I just think that a lot of these woke athletes have really not contemplated the ridiculous situations that they are considering. Because you know what? Nobody has any issue with girls who decide to become boys, right? Because they would never make the team. This isn't about trans issues. It's about fairness and competition. And let me make that clear for people out there who don't really think about it. A girl who decides that she is a boy and decides that she's going to move from playing girls soccer to boys soccer would never make the team. She wouldn't be good enough because there is a huge biological advantage to being a man. So nobody is complaining about that because it doesn't impact the fairness of competition. What people are discussing is boys deciding to become girls, which is what Alex Morgan is advocating for in potentially boycotting Texas and Florida. It's next level crazy. Um, Diamond Sports, a.k.a. Bally Sports, are 
filing for bankruptcy, and this is going to have, I believe, a major ripple effect. I have been telling you for some time that cord cutting was going to po- was going to pop the bubble of ath- uh, athletic rights, uh, in particular on these regional sports networks. The Bally Sports Networks are because so few people are now subscribing to cable and satellite packages. These business models are collapsing. Uh, They are in the business of deciding that they are going to file for bankruptcy. That is, they can no longer pay off the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball teams upon which they are based. And here is what I think the solution has to be. Okay, I think basically regional sports networks should cease to exist in our new business model. And I think everybody should subscribe. You still have a nationwide package, right, of big games that might air on national television. But I think all of these regional teams need to put all of their assets together And everybody who is a fan of these individual teams is going to have to pay for them directly, but you get the whole package, right? So right now, the way it's constructed from a business perspective is like in my district, my part of the country, I'll use the Braves as an example. We're in the Atlanta Braves television network. We get all the Braves games. I am now a Braves fan as a result of my kids becoming Braves fans. But if we want to watch a extra innings game, let's say I want to watch the Dodgers and it's not a nationally televised game, or I want to watch the Yankees and it's not a nationally televised game, I can watch that through Major League Baseball extra innings. I think that all of these leagues have to take back all of their rights, and I think the regional sports network idea no longer makes sense. I think you can have a national FS1, ESPNs of the world, but I don't think it makes sense at all for there to be regional sports networks. And I think that's true for the NBA. I think it's true for the NHL. And I think it's true for Major League Baseball. Still makes some sense uh, to have uh, in the NFL. The, uh, there's so much fewer games. And so you can watch. Uh, you can go get NFL Sunday ticket if you want. Or you can watch your favorite local teams. Or you can put on uh, the uh, NFL uh, red zone. Things like that. Uh, But for the NBA, for the NHL, and for Major League Baseball, I think all of these leagues should take back the entirety of their regional sports rights and just sell the entire package with zero blackouts anywhere. Uh, By which I mean, I'll pay $100 for the year, or whatever it is, and I get access to every NBA, every NHL, every Major League Baseball game. And you're going to have to figure out how to get somewhat close to the dollars that you got from the original regional sports network because that was a bubble and it's popped. And the reason why that was a bubble and it's popped is because the vast majority who were paying for these regional sports networks never watched them. And so that's where the challenge comes in for what you might have to uh, charge in order for people to be able to watch their games regionally featuring their favorite teams. Maybe, maybe the balancing act is you get one region game for free to sign up, one team, 
but then in order to get the rest of the team games, you have to pay more. Or maybe there's a balancing act there uh, in order to figure it all out. But the regional sports network is broken. The model is only getting worse. And I think the leagues need to eliminate these regional sport network middlemen and start to control their access to games themselves. They have the technology to do it. The business model they've been relying on was broken, and now they have to figure out how to make that money back going forward. Uh, did you see Juju Smith-Schuster uh, versus A.J. Brown? Juju put out a uh, Valentine's card thanking the guy who held him on the Eagles, and then A.J. Brown fired back And it was an aggressive return fire from A.J. Brown. I'm going to pull this up and uh, and I will read it to you. And right after that, we'll continue the discussion. But first, a momentary break. Uh, A.J. Brown tweeted as follows. So Juju Smith-Schuster tweeted, Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And he tweeted, I'll hold you when it matters most with a picture of of the Eagles defensive back who held him on the play that led the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. A.J. Brown tweeted yesterday, first off, congratulations. Y'all deserve it. This is lame. You was on the way out the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one-year deal, TikTok boy. He admitted that he grabbed you but don't act like you're like that or ever was, but congratulations again. TikTok boy, not going to lie, one of the all-time great insults, uh, A.J. Brown labeling Juju Smith-Schuster TikTok boy. Uh, and that, of course, echoed throughout the sports Twitter sphere all day yesterday, uh, which, was <laughs> which was pretty funny, I got to say. A couple of other stories. Matt Gates, uh, congressman from Florida, has been investigated by the Department of Justice for years. This afternoon, news came out, no charges coming in the Department of Justice investigation. Uh, The investigation itself is the penalty. You spend years having to defend yourself against false accusations. When they're actually shot down, uh, there is very little commendation. There is very little attention. Your reputation has been dragged through the mud and the end result is you never committed a crime in the first place. We got an invitation out to Matt Gaetz uh, to come on the show tomorrow and potentially discuss. Uh, And then finally, CBS reported that we, the United States, had been tracking the Chinese spy balloon since it took off nearly a week ago. Uh, and that it recently made a beeline towards Alaska. Uh, What is interesting about this, I think, most interesting about it, is that Joe Biden said we couldn't shoot down the Chinese spy balloon because it wasn't safe. Yet, we then tried to shoot down another object over Lake Huron, missed, and fired a missile into Lake Huron. So that seems like a pretty significant storyline in and of itself uh, as it pertains to, uh, to this story. So I shared that CBS report. And again, let's pretend that it was in fact real. 
Uh, Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, said he didn't shoot it down, meaning Biden, over Alaska. Because remember, my argument was, why didn't we immediately shoot this down over Alaska? Senator Hawley says he didn't shoot it down over Alaska because the military and intelligence agencies didn't tell him about it until it had left Alaska. Let that sink in. Tells you who really runs this country. Chilling. If the commander-in-chief isn't being informed about truly important issues that are out there, uh, what in the world is going on here and how have we reached this place? Something significant to be thinking about for certain. All right. I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I'll be back tomorrow. You may be able to tell your boy's fighting through a cold after returning from the Super Bowl, but I'm not going to quit. No worries here. I'll be with you again tomorrow. This has been Outkick the Show.